How's everybody doing? I feel I'm so far away. I feel like I need to be closer. Sort of lost in the wilderness somewhere. Okay. Joy to the world. Do we have a PowerPoint this morning? Yeah? Okay. Good. Uh, Peter, one of Jesus' closest disciples, talked about this joy, and he called it joy unspeakable and full of glory. So that makes it a bit challenging to talk about this morning if it's unspeakable and full of glory. So I think I need to pray at the very beginning. Dear Father God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable. All our thought processes be acceptable in your sight, O most holy God. So where do we find joy in the Bible? As the Bible project points out, is right in the opening chapter where God the creator sees creation and at every stage he proclaims it as good and ultimately very good. And in view of all the songs that we've been singing, I think it's worth highlighting the fact that the very first thing that God created was light. Let there be light. Light which is bright and color-filled and warm and with all its life-creating potential. When you think of joy, what color do you think it is? Orange, red? Yellow. I think of it as yellow. I guess everybody's different, but yeah, I see it as bright yellow, like the sun, the sort of sun color. But the really important thing is, see the next one? From the beginning, joy is associated with God. Our God is a joyful God, and he finds joy great joy in his creation, as we read in Job, chapter 38, verse 7. Next slide. It's, um, it's a, there's a lovely picture here in Job that at creation there was huge joy. All the heavenly beings, all the stars were singing for joy. How about that? So it's not surprising in view of all of this that the home that Father God has planned and prepared for us is a place of joy. A place where there's actually no room for sorrow and sadness and where every tear will be wiped away. This morning, there's a number of us still carrying a measure of sorrow and sadness. I certainly saw some tears and I, I admit that I normally do some um, shedding of tears when we, when we um, meet together on Sunday mornings. In the next slide, it talks about God's presence. He's going to wipe away all tears from our eyes. There's going to be no more death, no more grief, or crying, or pain. All the former things are going to be passed away. He's going to make everything new. And you know, that's how, how it was always intended to be, but we know the sad story, the unraveling, the temptation, and the lies, and the rebellion, and everything else, the greed, the sh blame shifting, everything that led to the world that we're very familiar with and we read about every day in newspapers. And as a result of all of this, the default emotion for most of us is not joy. The default emotion is gloomy, depressed, maybe hope, a sense of hopelessness. However, even now, despite the fall in every culture, and I haven't been to every culture, but I think I can speak with a degree of confidence here, having been to quite a few of them, there is joy, especially at things like the birth of a child, a wedding, harvest time, reunions, these things bring great joy. And joy, again, traditionally, and I think every culture is associated with feasting and gathering of friends, gathering of relatives. And it was just like that for the children of God in the Old Testament. 
And if you look at, um, it's very interesting, looking at the feasts in the Old Testament, they were to be times of joy and celebration. In the next slide, it shows, these, are, these are the ones that are mentioned in Leviticus uh, 23. There, were, they, there was the Passover we, we were talking about. That's the origins of our um, communion meal. It was celebrating freedom from slavery in Egypt. There's Pentecost, which actually was the first harvest, the barley harvest. There's Rosh Hashanah, New Year. There's Sukkot the second, the grape harvest, the fruit harvest. And, um, of course, that's very much like Thanksgiving, which the Americans have just been celebrating. I, I love that festival. I wish, I think actually we could do with that rather than Halloween, personally. Way rather celebrate that one. Psalm 65 is an example, I think 67 as well, of harvest songs of praise and joy. And I love um, verse 13 of Psalm 65. It says, The hills are clothed with gladness, and the valleys shout for joy, and they sing. Isn't that lovely? Even the valleys uh, sing. And it's interesting that in all those, okay, five feasts, two more were added later, uh, Purim and uh, Hanukkah, the festival of light, but there's just one fast, Okay, just one. And I have a feeling that, that God feels that uh, we're, 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 we live in the land of the shadow. We're fairly gloomy people, and he, we need to lighten up a bit. You know, he gives us one fast, but lots of feasting. Yes. So if you're into feasting, you're in, you're in godly company, I believe. So there you go. Be encouraged. So, human beings living in the land of the shadow, and yet God's always had a greater plan. It, he's never found any joy in us being joyless people. And uh, there's a wonderful prophecy in the book of Isaiah, which I think you're familiar with, so I'm reading it in a... It's not the passage, I think it's the message translation. But I love it. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. For those who lived in a land of deep shadows, and they can be emotional shadows, they can be shadows of illness, of bereavement, of disappointment, of failure... Many things cause shadows in our lives. But light, sunbursts of light, you repopulated the nation. You expanded its joy. Oh, they're so glad in your presence. Festival joy, the joy of a great celebration, sharing rich gifts and warm greetings. That begins to sound to me like Christmas. And of course, Jesus, the light of the world, has come, and that's what we celebrate at Christmas. And you know, Jesus fulfills every one of the feasts we talked about. If you go through all of those five feasts, he's the ultimate fulfillment, foreshadowed in every one of them. He's the one who rescues us from slavery. He's the one who is the Passover lamb. He's the one who defeated death at resurrection. He's the one who poured out his spirit at Pentecost, harvest time, harvest for the nations. He's the one who gives us a new beginning, not just in the new year, but every day is potentially a new day for us, a new beginning. And he came to dwell among us, to tabernacle among us, to abide with us, and that's the great hope of heaven too. Joy to the world. So really, when I think of joy, I want to celebrate Jesus. And I'm so glad that that's been the focus right up till now. It's Jesus. And every song we sang about light in the darkness is my God, this is who you are, is the one we're celebrating. Psalm 45 is one of my favorites about Jesus. And I think we've got it here, yeah. He's presented here as a wonderfully handsome king, mighty, fragrant with myrrh and aloes, 
triumphant. Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You love righteousness and you hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. He, Messiah means anointed one. What's he anointed with? The oil of joy. Above his fellows, above everybody else, Jesus is the most joyful of all human beings. I think this is what really hacked off the, the, the uh, what should we call them? The sad sacks. Yeah, the, the Pharisees and co. They really, really got frustrated because he was so into feasting and having joy. And, you know, so many of his stories were about joy, you know, the lost coin. And everybody celebrates when the woman finds her coin. And the lost sheep, and everybody celebrates. And Jesus says, you know, this is just a picture of heaven. In heaven, there's more joy over one sinner who repents than over all these righteous people who think they don't need to repent. Joy in heaven. And then, of course, the ultimate story, the most beloved story of the prodigal son. And the joy and the feasting and the dancing and the celebration when he comes home. Everything that's happened is forgotten in that great joy. Amazing, wonderful story. There are many words for joy in both the Old and the New Testament, just not one word. And I love the fact that the Hebrew words especially are often very expressive of what joy is like. You know, when you think of joy, who or what are you thinking of? Some people think of, of small children playing. Some people think of a shining face. When uh, uh, just before um, uh, Suzanne's mother died, we were sent a wonderful uh, photo of her, and she was full of joy, her face was so radiant, everybody commented on it, and I think we can all picture that shining face. And it was a foretaste, I believe, of the joy that is now hers in heaven. Shining faces. I was thinking of the benediction. You know, um, the Lord be gracious unto you, the Lord lift up his face to shine upon you. In other words, God's face is so full of joy when he looks at you, it's a shining face, and that radiance shines on you. Have you thought of that? Joy shining. And so when... When we think of joy, we think of a shining face. The oil of joy for mourning. Shouting, people shout for joy. It's not normally a time of whispering. Yay, I got A pluses. We can all rejoice without Yasmin about that. Yay, that's a good thing to celebrate. She worked hard and it's a wonderful joy we have. Laughter, joy comes with a lot of laughing and celebration. Dancing, I saw a fair bit of dancing. The Pentecostal hop. This morning, that's all we can do when we're in these pews, eh? Maybe you can dance a bit more freely later. Singing, singing for joy, and feasting. Well, we had our wee feast here. I was going to suggest people might want to have some more, but it's all gone, which is a good thing. I mean, it means there are lots of people here. Is there more? Okay, if people need, they need another support too, they can come and have some later. So joy is actually, I'm finding, very social. It's something we share. It's, sometimes you do have it by yourself, but actually it's heaps more fun if you can share it with somebody else. You either get on the phone or you, you wake up your, your partner or something else. You, you've got to share it with somebody else. And the more people, the better. If it's a really big thing, you, you call in lots of people to share and rejoice. And this is, of course, it's always been like that. The children of Israel going through the Red Sea, what happens? They start singing and dancing. The women get their tambourines out. Sorry if you hate tambourines. But anyway, they sang to the Lord for he's highly exalted. 
And uh, when they came back from exile, uh, they all stood in the square, and Nehemiah was reading them the book of the law, and they, it just overwhelmed them to realize the, the crushing sense of failure at, oh, we lost our beautiful temple, we lost so much, we lost a whole generation, essentially three generations, through our unbelief and disobedience, and they were standing crying. And Moses said, I mean, Nehemiah said, stop no crying. The joy of the Lord is your strength. This is a day for feasting. And he told them all the food they're to get. And he told them to share it with those who didn't have and have celebration because God was comforting them. And those are the wonderful words. The joy of the Lord is your strength. His joy, his, his love for you, his forgiving love for you can give you joy even when you are personally feeling a bit crushed by other things. Don't give way. Realize that his love is there. And not just love, his joy is there. He thinks you're fantastic because he sees the big picture. And he's seeing lots of good stuff. And he's remembering the good stuff. And you know, he doesn't remember the bad stuff, so that's quite a relief. If we give it to him, that's gone. So he just focuses on the, on the things that he loves about you. And he says, my joy will give you strength. Will you be strong in that? And similarly in Psalm 126, when the, when the exile was over, it says our mouth was filled with laughter, our lips were singing, and everybody around looks at them and says, the Lord has done great things for them. You know, when, when we're full of joy, the message is pretty clear. And it's lovely that people should think it's God who has done the great things for us. Ah, I think I'm coming to uh, Marty's favorite verse. Zephaniah 3.17, he loves this verse, and, and it's because it's one of the verses that talks about God rejoicing over his people, and it's, it's a particular Hebrew word which means joy, but it also means twirling around, dancing around, wheeling around with tremendous joy. So it's a wonderful picture of God dancing over his people. Isn't that awesome? Joy. So... Some of you are going to think, well, this is not where I'm at at the moment. And I think it's really worth remembering that joy in all through the scripture has a reality, has a realism to it. You know, Jesus loved feasting, but that didn't mean that he didn't know that there were going to be bad things happening. He rejoiced for the joy that was set before him even though he knew he was going to be betrayed, he was going to have to go through the cross, he was going to have to face all the horrors of death and hell. But he was full of joy because he saw the big picture. And that, interestingly, it was the night before he went to the cross that he talked most about joy. If you read those um, last uh, chapters, 14, 15, 16, 17, joy is the predominant theme all through those and with it is the promise that Holy Spirit is going to come and Holy Spirit is going to give joy. So sure enough, we come to Acts 2. Jesus is in heaven and as promised, he sends the Holy Spirit. And the disciples are so spectacularly filled with the Holy Spirit that everybody thinks they're drunk. They are just beside themselves with joy. And they keep feasting and celebrating. Thousands come to him. And with the celebrations continuing, more and more come to him. I think 3,000 at Pentecost and then another 5,000 soon after. Lots of feasting, feasting from house to house, joy in the city. Persecution, yes, there was lots of that too. But it couldn't quench the joy. They just kept spreading it somewhere else. It spilt out just as 
if you spill wine, it just, it just flows wider. We saw that last night, didn't we? Yeah, the classic example, of course, is Acts 16. Paul and Silas, missionaries in Philippi, flogged, thrown into this disgusting jail. And what was their response? They're singing songs of joy. And that was before the earthquake that rescued them and the conversion of the jailer and his family, which followed. Because of their response of joy, heaven couldn't resist. They're that happy, they've got to be set free. And I think that happens to us. We start dancing and praising God, freedom comes. And so when years later, Paul was again in prison, and this time there wasn't a quick, spectacular rescue of an earthquake, did that slow him down? Did that rob him of joy? Not at all. He wrote this wonderful letter to the Philippians, which I've spent most of the year studying and teaching in various places. And the thing about it is, again, the theme of joy is more about joy than anything. Yes, he sees the problems. Yes, he knows that there are false teachers. Yes, he knows that there are one or two women squabbling about who knows what. But there's such joy. And he, he, he's speaking in a context of Danger, he, could have, he was facing death potentially. Epaphroditus, who had um, delivered him a gift, was going to take the letter back. Epaphroditus had, had nearly died. So, you know, there's lots of suffering, but joy, joy in suffering, joy in illness, joy in imprisonment, joy in every situation. We've just been in um, China, and we were in Beijing, and we were just impressed, shall I say spectacularly beautiful, amazing architecture, drop-dead gorgeous fashion shops, wonderful gardens, roses and trees changing color for autumn, just very, very beautiful. But you know where we saw joy? Such a treat. We found a church, even that wasn't easy. We found a church and it was packed with people, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, all there an hour early and singing their hearts out full of joy. And um, we read the, the little brochure that they gave us, following the Cultural Revolution, all, well, at the Cultural Revolution, all their leaders had been um, taken away to prisons and, and camps, completely finished the ministry, theoretically. Everything was gone. They had universities, hospitals, everything. Everything gone for years. Until they came back, I think it was in 85, 35, 35 people came back. Today, that church has over 6,000, 600 baptisms a year, and I can tell you that church is in revival. They just didn't stop singing. They were singing, we walked in, I thought the service had begun. It was actually half an hour from beginning. It was packed and everybody was singing and the joy on their faces. And they kept on singing, the service itself, celebrating Jesus' forgiveness from sin. That was a major theme. Forgiveness and how, through his forgiveness, we are also able to forgive. And there are people who probably have a, a lot of things to forgive. And uh, as Claire told us later, you know, they live in the, in, theoretically, they could be living in the shadow of fear because quite arbitrarily, churches being shut down, smashed, destroyed all across China. Um, the fact that, that they're there today doesn't mean they'll be there tomorrow. The fact they have a pastor today doesn't mean they'll have a pastor tomorrow. It, but there was no sense of fear, no sense of uncertainty. We walked in the gate and there was joy on every face. We went out, there was joy on every face. I thought, yes, this is the joy of the Lord. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. And so it's in this context that I dare to say to us, rejoice in the Lord always. 
And again I say, rejoice. <sighs> you know, nothing, nothing, nothing gives him greater joy than to share his joy with us. And we've been singing about it, but I, I don't know, I would love to have one more. I know it's getting late and everything, but I'd love to sing once more and to do some dancing, singing, walking, whatever, whatever you know, joy is for you, however joy is expressed for you. I think it's a very physical thing. Joy is physical. It can be shouting, it can be you know, sharing with somebody, it can be dancing, hopping, uh, twirling around like the, the Lord in Zephaniah, whatever it is. I'd love us to express it. Could we just sing Jesus, King of all the earth, or one of those? Would that be okay? Yeah. Jesus, King of all the earth. I know it's the chorus. There's a bit of a drag in the verse, but the chorus is so vibrant. <laughs> Jesus, King of all the earth. Let the, yeah, skip the, skip the gloom today. We'll go straight to the chorus. Jesus, King of all the earth. Let the heavens proclaim your worth. They are proclaiming his worth, of course. Let CV proclaim his worth as well. We're joining with heaven when we do this. So, get ready, please join in, and if you have a different way of celebrating, you do it your way. There is no right or wrong, but the main thing is that we're acknowledging God. We thank you, Lord. We just want to offer a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving to you. You are the source of our joy. You are the light of the world. You're the one who breaks into the darkness. You're the one who defeated sin and death and everything that goes with it. We thank you, Lord, that you've gone to heaven to prepare a place for us, and you will receive us. But we thank you that this is a thin place, that right here, heaven is so close, and right here we can praise and worship you and know your presence here with us. So we want to celebrate your presence and all that you give us and bless your holy name together. Amen.